0: Well, hey, what a day. This is super fun. Uh, 15th anniversary, the beginning of Ironwood Church. Um, I do appreciate uh, the, the just encouragement and, uh, and blessing of that moment we just had. Um, there, is, there are tons of people that I would love to thank. I could turn this whole service into a let me thank people who've made a difference in this church. Uh, but there is one person I in particular uh, want to highlight, and uh, that is Matthew Brazelton. Uh, Matthew, I didn't have enough faith to hire Matthew to join me at the very beginning, which is why his name wasn't mentioned ago. But about four months into it, I needed a worship leader, and I said, Hey, Matthew, do you know anybody? And he said, What about me? And uh, he has been on this journey of our church 15 years, wearing lots of hats, doing lots of different things, um, oftentimes sacrificing things he'd love to do in order to make the church be better. And brother, I have loved doing life and ministry uh, with you, and thank you today. Let's honor Matthew, amen. All right, so this 15th anniversary, you kind of wonder like, okay, what do we do on a day like this? Uh, do we do a special message? Um, do I kind of pull a greatest hits out of the archive kind of thing and re-preach it, kind of microwave it up or something? Uh, do you have a guest come? And I thought, no, 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 let's just do what we do. If we're going to be, like, if we're going to set a tone for here's what we're going to be as Ironwood Church, let's just do the thing we do, which is open the Bible, and preach the scriptures. And so that's what we're going to do today. Today's the first uh, of a 12-week series that we're doing called Confronting Genesis. And uh, this will take us really to Easter. And then after that, we'll continue on and finish the book of Genesis. Um, but, but we're going to just pay attention through especially this first part, this Confronting Genesis series, on all of these issues in our world that are getting constant attention. What are some of the issues that are getting constant attention? Well, here's one of them, Truth. Truth. It, In a world of compromised authorities, we ask, can I trust anything? The news media lies. AI makes me wonder if any picture I see is real. (laughs) Even science seems to have an agenda. What is truth? What about the issue of human identity? What is it to be human? What defines me as a human? How can I tell the difference between a being that's a being... That's not human and me. What do I look to for a sense of identity? Do I look to work and family? Do I look to gender and sexuality? We're going to talk about that in this series. What about this issue? This keeps coming up over and over in our world is evil and suffering. How do I make sense of a world of atrocities and shootings and wars and violence and natural disaster and just plain horrifically terrible accidents? What do I do with that? Or what about technology? We hear a lot about technology. That's an issue that comes up, right? It moves so fast, it's easy to get swept up in. It seems out of control. Or meaning. Is there a point to any of this? Well, here's here's what's really cool, is that the first 11 chapters of the Bible address all of those issues. Every single one. And that's what we're going to spend the next 12 weeks doing, is, is looking at what the Bible has to say about those issues. Uh, one of my old mentors, Tom Schrader, said that a timeless God doesn't produce dated material. A timeless God doesn't produce dated material. So that's what we're going to look at in this series in the, in the book of Genesis. So let me just show you. Here's, here's where we're going uh, through this series. We're going to look, uh, just as we walk through Genesis 1 through 12, uh, we're going to look at Christianity and truth, Christianity and science, Christianity and human dignity, Christianity and work, rest, gender, sexuality, evil, suffering, judgment. Technology, purpose—all of those things are covered in these first chapters of the book of Genesis. And so today, the message is called Christianity and Truth. Christianity and Truth. Now, uh, when I was uh, when Molly and I were getting engaged, I suppose people did engagement photos, but it wasn't nearly the spectacle that people do now, right? I mean, now you do engagement photos. They're just kind of over the top. And one uh, couple, they wanted their engagement photos. They, they, for their engagement photos, they wanted to go to a, a, a village in Tuscany. And so here's their, uh, here's their, their, their engagement photos. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, the only thing is, that's actually not a village in Tuscany. That's an olive garden. <laughs> they... Uh, that's, that's outside your local olive garden there in Nashville, Tennessee. And, uh, but boy, doesn't it look like something? See, here's the thing. You can say whatever you want. You can make something look however you want it to look. But the truth is what matches with reality. What is the truth? What matches with reality? That's what we're looking at here today. I heard it said years ago, and I agree with it. The most offensive thing that I believe, by the way, I probably believe a lot of things that would offend you. You probably believe a lot of things that would offend a lot of people. As Christians, we believe things that are offensive to the world. What's the most offensive thing? The most offensive thing that I believe is Genesis 1.1 and everything it implies. The most offensive thing Christians believe is Genesis 1.1 and everything that it implies. And so that's what we're going to look at here together is Genesis chapter 1 uh, verse 1. And uh, I'm going to do some drawing up here on the screen. We'll take a look at this together. And through it, we're going to see three really simple but important and profound truths, all right? Three profoundly simple truths from Genesis 1 verse 1. Here's the first one, is that there is a God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right? There's no explanation of where God came from. There's no explanation of how this happened. It's just God. There is a God. The Bible declares from the very first verse, there is a God. The second simple and profound truth is that God existed before time began because it says in the beginning God. Right? The beginning the beginning's the start of something. When when everything starts, God's already there. Which means God existed before time began. Seth and I have been talking about how one of the cool things about Genesis is that you know Genesis doesn't begin once upon a time. Or a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It's just there's a beginning. Here it is. It's just a bold claim. And there's not a great deal. Of, again, there's no explanation of this. Well, and, and, and by the way, if you want to talk about things that have tripped me up, that I've had to wrestle through in my faith, things that have made me doubt, this is one of them. Well, where'd God come from? Well, where? I mean, in, in the beginning, like, time just starts and God's just there. How'd that work? I remember actually laying one night in my bed going, okay. Where did God come from? Right, And it's like, okay. Okay, well, who made God? And if I had an answer to that, okay, well, then who made that person? And then who made that person? And then who made that person? And then who made... And and I just sort of walked through it and went, well, eventually, someone just had to always exist. And he did. In the beginning, God. There is a God. God existed before time began And number three, here's a simple profound truth, God created all things. God created the heavens and the earth. Now, when the Bible talks about the heavens, this is talking about the stars, this is talking about the universe, this is talking about everything uh, that you can see and the things that are far beyond what you can see. In the beginning, there is a God. He existed before time began and he created all things. That is what Genesis 1-1 says. Teaches. Now, what then does it imply? Because the most offensive thing, I believe, is what Genesis 1-1 says and all that it implies. What does it imply? And, and really, we're going to be exploring that over the next 11 weeks. What does this imply? But here's what it implies, is that God is Lord of all. That the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. God is Lord of all. Now, if God is Lord of all, then that means you're not. I'm not. Right? Think about this. You are not eternal. You are not self sufficient. You are not all powerful. God is. But you and I, we're weak. We're dependent. We're mortal. We have a beginning we created. Right? Our weakness, get this, our weakness is not only a product of our sin. It's also a product of just being created. But then we sin. We rebel against God. And that means we're going to die. And so God is eternal. God is self-sufficient. God is all-powerful. We're weak. We're dependent. We're mortal. And... uh and friends, we've, we've gotten a really hard, painful look at this this very week. Uh, many of you know this, but not all of you do, that uh, one of the eighth graders, who's part of our church, Will Scallan, one week ago, last Sunday, he was out with a friend riding his dirt bike, and he was very proficient at it. He was a very good athlete. Uh, he, you know, was very good and uh, hit something wrong, lost his balance and flew into the only tree that was there and passed away. A likable, athletic, strong, popular young man, gone. And it's it's brutal and it's gut-wrenching. We're gonna have his funeral in here this afternoon and it's gonna be terrible. Because it's like this shouldn't happen. Uh, this just doesn't feel right. And again, we'll talk more in the coming weeks about what do we do with suffering, what do we do with evil. But here's what I want you to hear today: is because the because God is Lord of all, and because of everything else that the Bible says, it's not hopeless today. Like, absolutely, it's tragic. Absolutely, it's brutal. Absolutely, it's gut-wrenching. This has been such a terrible week for so many of us, or this weird combination of, yeah, we're excited about everything with Ironwood Church, and, but, but our hearts are broken, and yet it's not hopeless. We feel the pain, and we feel the loss, and we should, and we don't run past that. We don't gloss over that. We don't just put a silver lining or a bow or a ribbon around it, but there is hope. Here's why there's hope, is both both Greg and Stephanie, in the days before Will went to be with the Lord, had great conversations that confirmed to them, he's with the Lord. We are not hopeless. Here's what Jesus said, who is the truth, in John eight fifty two, He said that his followers will never taste death. That's an amazing thing. That's an amazing thing. Yes, we're weak. Yes, we're sinful. Yes, we're going to die. And yet, if you are in Christ, if you are following Jesus, if you're trusting in him, you'll never taste death. We have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We have to endure the pain that happens. But Will has not tasted death. He is in the presence of the Lord by faith in Christ. Not because he was a popular young man or a good young man or an athletic young man, but because he trusted in Jesus. His mom talks about how he would just often as they would drive around, look at something in God's creation and just go, Mom, how how do people not believe in God? Do you know what Will knew? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So I want to ask, what about you? See, this time last week, nobody thought a funeral was planned for this afternoon. And your life and my life is a vapor, the Bible says. It's a vapor. It's short. So i want to ask you, what if, what if you were to die today? Where would you be? Where would you go? Do you have a hope? Would you taste death? Or would you be free from tasting death because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross? Where would you go? What would you do? And so as we think about the truth, Christianity and the truth, that, that there is a God and that he's eternal and that he's Lord of all, then we trace out that truth and go, well, what does the rest of the Bible say about this? And how do we find hope through the truth of what God has to say? So I want to do some drawing. I've done this. I did this, I think, some point last year, but it's worth revisiting. And here's what, here's what I want you to do. I want you to have the opportunity today to come to faith in Jesus Christ. I want you to be able to leave today and have the confidence that if you were to die, you would go to be with the Lord. Not because of your goodness, not because of your success, not because of anything you've done, but just simply because you've received the gift of Jesus. I want you to have that opportunity today, and I'm going to make it as clear as I can possibly make it. Here is the good news of Jesus Christ. This is what we looked at just a moment ago in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we'll see in a few weeks how he makes humanity, and humanity is there, and humanity is designed to uh, represent God to the world. But there's a problem with this, and if we could put this up on the side screens, that would be uh, awesome, just to make it a little bit easier. The problem is that even though God is king, humanity has said, uh, no thanks, not interested, and humanity has done this. made ourselves king. This is what we're going to see in Genesis 3, right? Even though God had given all these things for them to enjoy, humanity's like, no, not interested. Don't want it. I don't want your kingdom, God. I want, I want mine. And so the wages of sin, it says, is death. It says in Genesis 3, on the day you eat of it, you'll surely die. And we are mortal. We're weak because we're made in the image of God and we're created. We're mortal because we sin. And God gives rebels what they ask for, right? If, if, if we say, God, I, want, I, I don't want to live under your rule. I don't want to live under your reign. I want to do life my way. God says, okay. But here's the thing. When you die on this earth, that means you'll also be eternally separated from him. And, and God's going, I'm just giving you what you asked for. And yet, here's the truth, here's the good news, here's the turn, here's where this starts to get really amazing in Christianity, is that there's another human who came, and he always lived under the reign and the rule of God, and his name is Jesus. Jesus, who we just celebrated at Christmas, was born of a virgin. Jesus lived a sinless life. Jesus displayed what the kingdom of God is like because he depended fully on the Holy Spirit. And Jesus died, and Jesus rose again, and he died in the place of sinners, people like you and me, so that anyone who would believe in Jesus wouldn't have to perish but could have everlasting life. And then he rose again, and he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And so we believe that Jesus is, in fact, King. All hail King Jesus. All hail the Lord of heaven and earth. God came in a body. He lived a perfect life. He died a sinner's death. He was buried. He was raised. And he is Lord and King. And so this leaves us then with two ways to live, two choices. This is our option. And again, I, I want you to have the confidence. I could know God. Not just so you can go to heaven instead of hell, though I want that. But so that you could actually have Have your life begin to be lived in line with the the grain of creation. So here's your choices. There's two different ways people respond to this. One is you could say yes to Jesus. You could say, I wanna follow you. I wanna submit to you. I wanna surrender to you. I want to enjoy you. I want to live my life connected to you, Jesus. That's that's one way. The other way is to just keep being your own king, your own Lord, your own Savior. Now, that leads to this forever. And so if we're going to start a message series called Christianity and the Truth. (laughs) I just felt like I, I have to give you today the truth. This is the truth and this means there's hope and this means there's a future. And so I wanna actually invite any of you, I'm gonna pray in just a moment, I wanna invite any of you who've not trusted in Christ or you've wandered from Christ and you go, today's a day of salvation for me, today's a day where I need to trust in Jesus and have the confidence of eternal life and the joy of God's presence. I want to lead you in an opportunity to do that. So would you pray with me? So Father in heaven, we come and we thank you that you are Lord of heaven and earth. We thank you that you are eternal and self-sufficient and all-powerful. And we acknowledge today that we are not. And God, we want to trust you We want to trust in Jesus and what he's accomplished for us, what he's done on our behalf on the cross. And so uh, for any of you here in this room, you want to trust in Jesus today. You want to become a Christian. I'm going to pray some words that give expression to a prayer of faith. These words aren't magic. These words don't save you in and of themselves. But if your heart has faith and you believe in Christ and you agree At a heart level with these words, you can be saved today. So if that's you, would you just pray with me right now? Say, God, I thank you that you made heaven and earth. I thank you that you are Lord of all. And I acknowledge that I am weak, but that I'm also sinful. And I deserve to have eternity apart from you. I deserve justice. I deserve even punishment for my sin because you're a good God and I've rejected you. But Lord, thank you that you sent Jesus. I believe today that he lived a sinless life, that he died as a substitute for people like me, that he was buried and that he rose victorious. And today I put my hope in Him. I put my trust in Him. And I ask you to save me from my sins and to bring me to you. Lord Jesus, I want to follow you all the days of my life. And I want to give my heart to you. Lord, thank you for how you move by the Spirit. Thank you for the work that you do to make us new. And thank you that you are good and faithful every single day. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.